Open your Bibles, if you would, to Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. And we are starting a new series today on Paul's letter to the Colossians. And uh, so you're, you're here on a great day to get this thing started. We're calling this Colossians, more of Jesus. And more of Jesus is a word that we got as a movement, uh, just for all the churches within the Antioch movement in the U.S. for, for 2016. And so we thought, hey, man, what a great place to see more of Jesus, the letter to the Colossians, right? So I want, I'm going to eventually read through the whole first section here, but right now I just want to read the last two verses of this section, which is first, uh, excuse me, Colossians 1, 13 and 14. For He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And this is the Word of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Paul is writing from a prison cell. We know that because in chapter 4 he says, I've got chains on. You know, I'm, I'm writing this letter, I've got chains on. And so there is, uh, pro- he's probably writing from either Rome or Ephesus, two possible places, probably Rome, but could be Ephesus. And he's writing a letter from prison. And you know, when you're writing a letter from prison, it's kind of a focused thing. You know, you're focused, you're there for a reason, you're writing a letter from prison. And it made me think of uh, Martin Luther King Jr., you know, letter from a Birmingham jail. I read through that on Thursday, just kind of thinking like these guys that said, hey, uh, Dr. King, you really need to kind of back off this, right? And this may not be the best time for some things you're saying right now. You need to back off this. And so he wrote him a longhand letter that was like a treatise, you know, and he said, you know, really, I should be doing this, you know, and then there's authority in his words. I mean, big time authority. So Paul's writing with authority for the cause of Christ. That's why he is in jail and, uh, you know, I think that this series is important for us. I, I think we kind of stumbled in a bit on into Colossians uh, in terms of the election season that we're coming into. But we're coming into a, an election season. Right? Everybody just fired up about that and uh, all the choices and everything. And uh, so, so we're coming into this election season. And this, this is a very subversive document. Uh, Colossians is it's... Uh, you know, actually dangerous. It would have been dangerous in the, in the Roman Empire of the time. I mean, it, there's a word about empire. There's a word about Jesus being the king and the Lord of all, over all other kings, over all other lords. It, there's words about philosophies and worldviews and things that, 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 that uh, in Christ, we have a different perspective than just what's rank and file out there. We're called into something more. And... Uh, and so I think there's a word here for us in a political season to, uh, you know, to look to Jesus. And you're going to hear me say that a lot. I'll smile. We need to smile a little bit. Let the, I think whenever I say politics, or everybody's like, real quiet. And uh, we're going to be all about Jesus. So somebody sent me a, a little video the other day of, of Andy Stanley, who's a pastor in Georgia, and, uh, and he said um, something about politics. He has a little monitor behind him. I, I wish we had one. It would be fun to have a little monitor, you know, that I kind of point to, but then you couldn't see the drums or some of the singers and stuff. But he had a little TV. Our stage is so small. But uh, he comes up to the front of the stage and, and he says, I just want to say something to everybody that's over 45. Which isn't a lot of people actually in this room, <laughs> room or in this church. 
but uh, he said, I want to say something to everybody over 45. And just, you're getting so worked up and intense and freaking out about the politics and the elections and all that. And I just want to say, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. He got kind of quiet, you know, and he goes back over to the screen and screens changes. And it has these words that says, you're scaring the children. <laughs> I mean, right? You know, he was quiet. Y'all laughed more than they did. But you're scaring. It's like when we're modeling freak out, you know, it does scare the children. And we model not trust and faith in King Jesus, right? So, so it's about trusting in the Lord. Um, 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 7. I, I've been sharing some about the kingdom in the last little bit. Even in the marriage series, we were talking about the kingdom of God a bit. And, and uh, I just finished this book by a guy named Scott McKnight called Kingdom Conspiracy. And one of the things he was saying, a point he was making was, what is the milieu, the environment, where, uh, where Jesus coming on the scene and He says, the kingdom of God is at hand. What, what's going on where that's good news? Where that's the answer? Jesus comes on the scene and says, repent, the kingdom's here. You know, and we hear that and we go, uh, oh, what about me going to heaven when I die? Uh, you, you see what I'm saying? There's a different message there. And part of that message was that in 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 7, the people, or 1 Samuel chapter 8, the people said, we want another king. We want a king. We want our own king. We want to be like the nations. And Samuel's upset. God comes and gives a word to Samuel. He says, Samuel, it's not you they're rejecting. It's me that they're rejecting as their king. And so it's into that setting, into that situation where God's been rejected as king and Jesus Christ comes on the scene as the Messiah, as the chosen one, as the anointed king and says, the kingdom of God is here. Okay, that now it starts making sense, right? So, and we want to be people that remember that during this season. Jesus Christ is our king. God is our king. Okay. And so that's some of the context. It helps us to understand empire stuff, worldview, philosophies, economies. He's talking about economies through this thing. And he ultimately gets to how do we live? How do we live in the kingdom of God? How do we live under the reign of King Jesus? And it gets down even to household stuff. This is what you do in your house. And really, the whole thing from top to bottom is about household. Caesar was seen as the, the head of the house of the Roman Empire. And Paul's saying, no, it's Jesus who's the head of all empires. The head of the house of all people everywhere. He's supreme over all. And he wants to reign all the way down into households where it spreads out into every place that we have a say-so and an influence. Every place that we can bring that influence. So in this empire, Paul is asking as we read through Colossians, who is really in charge? Is it Caesar or is it Jesus? And we all know that the answer is Jesus, right? It's Jesus who is in charge. But, you know, that's being contested there in Rome. Because the emperor was seen as a god, little g, as a god. Why was he seen as a god? So uh, Caesar Augustus, this is a coin from the first century. And you can literally read it there. First century coin, Caesar Augustus. And on the back it says, divine Julius. Okay, and that's a comet. That's a comet. So when Julius Caesar died, on the night that he died, a comet flashed across the sky 
and people said, he's divine. He's a God. And so what does that make Augustus, his son, the son of, son of a God? You know? And so that's the climate, that's the context into which Paul is writing. Where he says that Jesus, Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. There's no one that's, that's over Him. He's supreme over all creation. Over every principality and power. Over everything that's ever been or ever will be. Jesus Christ is Lord. And he takes it a step further. He's just flipping things on its head. The Romans, whenever they conquered an enemy, they were, they were the world power. And whenever they conquered an enemy, they would take the general's armor and they would put it on a, a tree that looked like this. It was a, a tropion. Okay, so yeah, here we have a picture. This is a picture of an ancient tropion. It's where we get the English word trophy from. Can you kind of hear it? Tropion. So trophy. And so they would hang the general's armor, helmet, shields, clothing on this tree. And it was a symbol of the enemy's defeat and shame. A symbol of their victory, but the enemy's defeat and shame. Paul comes along in chapter 2 of Colossians and he says, the cross, you thought it was a place of defeat? It's a place of victory where, where Jesus has triumphed over the principalities and powers, where He has won the victory and, and, and defeated the enemy. And so this place that you thought was shame and defeat is actually the victory of God in Jesus Christ. He just, he's flipping things on its head. Does that make sense? By tracking with me on that? He's flipping things on its head. It's very, uh, it's dangerous. It's, it's subversive. I'm trying to help us get into the context a bit where we can see, like, this? Like, hey, let's all sit down and read Colossians, you Roman guys. Like, subversive, dangerous, another king, he's not the son of God, he's the son of God, you know, the, the, the cross thing, the shame, no, that what he did there, he rose from the dead. He rose from the dead. He's king of kings and lord of lords. He's head over everything, over all these philosophies and things, this Gnostic stuff, this deeper knowledge that we think we have. He brings us into true knowledge, true light, true understanding. All of that is true in Jesus Christ. That's what's going on there. You've got these competing things, and Paul is writing in a way that helps us to see, you know, it's not a long, does, think about it like this. Is the devil doing new stuff on planet Earth, or is he kind of doing pretty much the same stuff? Pretty much the same stuff. Principalities, powers, at work, you know, be, you know and so we should be alert. Hey, I'm looking for Jesus in this. My first allegiance is to Jesus. I'm looking to Jesus to lead us through this time more than this candidate or this candidate. You know, it's a Jesus word. It's a Jesus thing about, about who He is. And so we don't, you know, when the debates come and we're like, ah, oh, we don't flip out after that because that's not our hope. Our ladder's not leaning against that wall that everything will be right when X happens or when Y happens or when Z happens. Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So, just you know, that's not the last time I'm going to say that as we... Get down. To, and hey, and I want us to be involved. We're going to do a prayer guide. It comes out. We've been working on it with uh, leadership and the movement. And uh, it comes out uh, whatever 21 days is. Will that be next Monday? 21 days out. And just things to pray. Pray for our nation. Pray for vote. Be involved, you know. And uh, so it's not a 
pull back and don't be involved, but it is who is your allegiance given to? Feel like I need to tell a joke here again because everybody's getting quiet. So uh, here, here we go. Main thing rescued to really live. God wants us to see that we've been rescued from darkness in order to really live in the kingdom of the Son He loves. So I'm just meditating on this passage, meditating on this passage, and that phrase, rescued to really live. That's, what I, that's, that's my burden today, is that we're rescued to really live. Like God's made us to really live. And so we're going to look at a few things here. First of all, number one, really living looks like, first of all, a new identity. A new identity. I, I was tempted to just start with verse 3, and then I remembered I was years ago was uh, was with a friend named Jim, pastor in uh, one of our churches in Denton, and uh, and we were we, at the time we were praying a lot of scripture together. And we were going to pray through Colossians. I didn't know how long it's going to take. You know, we take a few meetings to do it. But I said, okay, here we go, man. We're going to start in verse three. You know, we always think he goes, no, 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 and he's a real intense guy. People that know him like veins. It's just two of us in the room. He's like, no, man, Paul. An apostle of Christ Jesus called by the will of God. And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. We'll do the, we'll start at the top, you know. But I mean, it's good. Listen to this. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. And this is the way you pray this. Lord, amen. Identity, callings in the body of Christ, in Christ Jesus, by the will of God. You've got stuff, Lord, that you want us to do. Lord, open our eyes to see what you want us to do. And we've got people that you want us to do it with. And Timothy, our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace and peace to you from God our Father. So, wow. I mean, you know, we've got a new identity. Paul's clear about that. There's part of me that kind of wishes that we would write letters like this. You know, Jamie. A brother rescued from darkness. You know, to Mark, my friend and mighty brother in God. Grace and peace to you from our Lord Jesus Christ, from God our Father. That'd be kind of different. <laughs> Just get a letter from me. Jamie, rescued from darkness. <laughs> to Ashley, crazy wild woman of God in the Spirit. Lover of Jesus. It's kind of a way of prophesying to each other, I guess. But, uh, you know, so there's identity stuff in that. Big time identity. And we need language. We need language. I need language. You need language. We need language for what God's called us into. What He's called us to be. And so, back about, I don't know, just 1999 or years ago, I... I started doing a deal called My Daily Expectations. And uh, it was just my way of kind of writing down some thoughts, some ideas about who I am, what God's called me to be and to do. And you can flash that, that up there. You know, it's interesting. I, it came out of, uh, I was reading a book, I think by Zig Ziglar or something like, and he had a, a little statement, you know, that you go into the bathroom and you look into the mirror and it's like, you're going to be somebody. You're going to be successful. And you're going to da-da-da-da. And I was like, that's okay. But I want to do my identity. I want to do who I am in Christ. You know, so this is just a swing at it. I updated this. I update this from time to time. It's going to be on the website. You can take, take it and then, and then build your own. 
you know, but we need identity manifestos. That's what we need. We need to know who we are. By God's grace, Jesus Christ came into the midst of my darkness when I, Jamie Miller, could do nothing to save myself. In Jesus Christ, I see the triune, relational God of love, fulfilling His eternal plan to adopt me into His family. Jesus is the greatest treasure in all of life. And every day is an opportunity to know, experience, and express God's glorious love found in and through Jesus Christ. God is most glorified and honored in my life as I find my greatest satisfaction in all that He is for me in Christ Jesus. And so today, I'm looking to Jesus. I expect to abide in Christ, to talk with Him, to listen and obey His Word. I literally stand in front of the mirror and do this. And to live a life of love. I am loved by my Father in heaven more than I can understand. The Father's love is the nonstop, infinite Niagara that's always directed toward me and covering me. There is no success so high or failure so low that can separate me from His love. And so I love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I am a wholehearted lover of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's like paragraph one. There's about eight of those. And so I just, but we all need our own language for saying, who are you? What's your identity? Who has God called you to be? Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Jamie, infinitely loved, standing under the nonstop Niagara of God's love. Nothing can separate me from His love. Amen. So, that makes sense? Tracking on this. The reason why I'm saying this so emphatically is we need to know our identity. There's about a billion things, not a billion, that's an exaggeration. There's about a million things out there in the world that are trying to, to, to subvert, co-opt, grab your imagination, grab your identity, grab your sense of who God's called you to be, and just pull you down. And so we walk out these doors and we're flooded, we're bombarded with a million images that's different from the image of the invisible God. And so it's, it's just it's pulling at us. You know, and you'll be good, you'll be okay, you'll be somebody, you'll be something when this happens. When you buy this. When you buy this product that makes this go away. And you buy this product that makes these things go away. And you buy this product that makes more of this go on there. And you buy this product that does this. And you get this car that allows you to drive a certain way. And you buy this house over in this neighborhood that allows you to live a certain way. And it shapes and changes and molds our identities into something other than what God's given us in Jesus Christ. Which is the the real, true humanity as God intended it. That's what Jesus Christ gives us. That's the life that we live in. A new identity. So the second piece. Really living means a new identity. Really living looks like a new fruitfulness. And I almost said purpose, but you'll see why I said fruitfulness, because that's kind of what he talks about here. But let's read that second paragraph. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love and of the love that you have for all the saints. Which I, I, it strikes me as interesting. He's thanking God for the, he's not thanking them. Thank you for your love. 
thank God for the love that you have for other people. Isn't that great? For the love that you have for all the saints. The faith and love that spring up from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth. The gospel that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace and all of its truth. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. Okay, so here is just another dynamic that's going on. It's really living is about having an identity. And our identity is in God and Jesus Christ. But really living is also about this deep-seated need that all of us have to make a difference. We were made to be fruitful. In fact, it's a, that's a pre-fall desire of God for human beings that we would be fruitful and multiply life. The life of God on planet Earth. He made us for that. And that's, that's a big deal. And so, uh, you know, an interesting dynamic, again, in, in Colossians is that this piece that we're talking about here, there's actually a subversive piece to this as well because fruitfulness in the Roman Empire was a big deal. So you've got on a lot of the, those uh, reliefs and paintings and things, you've got pictures of Roman uh, military guys with swords, spears, depicting military might, military strength. Then they would also at the same time be carrying big grapes Big, huge grape clusters, which was a sign of economic fruitfulness. Uh, first service, I said big, they had big stacks of grapefruits. I meant grapes. <laughs> it's funny to me. Um, so they're, they're walking. But the point, the point I'm making here is that military might and economic prosperity is not a new... Uh, Blending of ideas. That makes sense? So you got, you know, military might in, in economic prosperity. This is a big deal, right? So we're in the, in the political, in the election season. You know, the, the economic thing is huge. And so God is, through Jesus Christ, is saying, we're going to bear a different kind of fruit. And it doesn't mean that, I mean, praise God, you know, for what He's given us jobs and ability to make money, to be generous in our giving, and to bless not only ourselves, but the nations around us. We're thankful. But there's a different kind of fruit that God's going for. And it is the fruit of love. He said, this Gospel's bearing fruit all over the whole world. Just as it did with you, it's doing that all over the world. And the result of that is love and faith and hope that just keeps pouring into your lives because you keep seeing more and that produces more faith and more love. So we're going to be people that are marked by a new kind of fruitfulness. And that's different, you guys, than the world system. The world system is, you know, even in economies of prosperity, so often that system, you know, people try to, in justice, they try to do right things, but our natural flesh go-to response is to, to crush things. To destroy things in order to be prosperous and be on top. Even other people, you know? So uh, that's a, 
in the flesh, that's just kind of where things go. And God brings a different kind of perspective than this in Jesus Christ. We talked about it last week, right? That is that in Jesus Christ, the one who was the highest above all, equality with God, he didn't grasp it or hold on to it, but he emptied himself and became a man. He, he had, he's God, but he emptied himself of his divine prerogative to live as God, and he lived as a man to show us what humanity was always supposed to look like. So he's trusting in the Father always. To see Jesus is to see what God's will is being done in a human. That's awesome. It's just a, and so it's, but it's this incredible, you think about in the throne room with God, he humbles himself and lives a completely dependent life of humility. That's hard. The best of us only have fleeting moments of success doing that. Somebody say, you're preaching, you're starting to anyway. And so, so this humility, this downward trajectory, he becomes obedient all the way down to a death, even death on a cross. And then out of that humility, this is the way of the kingdom. Again, Paul's flipping things upside down. The way of the kingdom is that then God exalts him to the highest place. You know, that at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee in heaven, on earth and under the earth will bow and confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wow. Okay, so that's, that's a different kind of life. It's a different kind of humility. And it's important, again, really living, really living like this. It's important. It looks like this. And it's important for us to talk about it because just like identity is a battlefield, so is purpose. So is our fruitfulness and what we define as fruitful in our lives. What is What's our trajectory? Where are we going? Where do we, what's the kind of life where we finish the whole deal? And like David is talked about in Acts 13, 36, the guy wasn't perfect. But God says, David served God's purpose in his generation. He was a man after God's own heart. He served God's purpose in his generation. And then he fell asleep with his fathers. What an epitaph. Served God's purpose and then died. That's a tombstone. It's awesome. That's a good, that's good. What is the lasting fruit that we are going to be known by? What, I mean, again, just to reframe this, what is the thing that we are to be known by more than anything else? Love. Okay, so Lord, lead us into this kind of fruitfulness where the, the fruit bearing, the, the, the clusters that are on the vines of our lives our love for one another and love for the world around us. Where we're filled up with God's love and then conduits for that love in the world around us. The third piece, finally, that is really living looks like a new way of life. And so Paul prays a prayer in this last paragraph. Let's read it together. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, We have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might 
so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Wow. I love that. I love so much about all of that. But it's a new way of life. The marks of this way of life, you know, when you read that, you you get some pictures of what he's trying to pray into their lives, which are the marks of this kind of life, that you would have wisdom. But, But not just any kind of wisdom, spiritual wisdom. Spiritual wisdom, where this again, part of the letter, and you get into chapter two, is like there's other kinds of knowledge. There's some Gnostic things that they're competing with in Colossae there. And so he's like, I want you to have spiritual wisdom, wisdom from God, wisdom that helps you to know what's really up and down, wisdom that looks like ultimately, you know, and again, I just ask a, a deep theological, hermeneutical, systematic theological kind of big question. And when you when you're trying to get that kind of wisdom, where do you look? Absolutely. You guys are master theologians. That really is the answer. And he says it plainly. The mystery of God, it was hidden, has now been revealed. He reveals who God is like. His name is Jesus. And he's the one, Colossians 2, 3, and 4. He's the one in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so that's what he's praying. Pray that you'd have this spiritual wisdom in you, that you would get this, that you would live a life worthy of the Lord, that you would honor that your life, your thinking, your emotions, your heart, your lives, your actions would be honoring to the Lord. He goes on uh, just beyond the honor thing, says that you'd bear fruit, that you would have the knowledge of God in you. And again, I can make all these points by talking about Jesus, but the knowledge of God. Did you have the knowledge of God? Where are you going to look to get the knowledge of God? Jesus is exactly right. I mean, if you don't look through the lens of Jesus, you can get off in a ditch really quick. Jesus is the self-revelation of God of Himself to the world. He's the image of the invisible God. He's the radiance of the glory of God. And He reveals to see me as to see the Father. No one's ever seen the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. You know, we could just go on, right? But I mean, it's Jesus. And in Jesus, you see His relationship. He's the Son of God. His relationship with His Father in the Spirit. God, wow, we didn't get this before. And we couldn't get it before because it was a mystery. It was hidden. But Jesus Christ is revealed. Oh, God is a relational God of love. And unlike some of our dark, you know, dark pagan ideas about God, and I mean really pagan ideas about God, the Father is actually the one who rescues us from the dominion of darkness and brings us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. Wow! God's way better than we thought. And we see that when we look at Jesus Christ. Look at Jesus so week after week, we just we're, this is our this is our word, you know, and joyfully, you know, oh, wait, power. So give us power. Why do we need power? Because to endure and have patience and keep going, we need spiritual power. We just do. So different people figure this out at different points along the journey. Some people at about 30, 33, they figure out. And put, 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 
I'm in the I'm in the ditch. I'm in the ditch at 30. That's as far as I could go in my own power. I need the power of God. Some people stronger. Eh, eh, 40, 42, 44 years old. In the ditch. I need the power of God. You know, and whether it's you're really strong and you can go longer or you're not as strong and you figure it out sooner. We need to be strengthened with power so that we can endure and have patience for the long haul. We can't do it in, in our own strength. And we find it out. We find it out in different ways. It's amazing. How many of you guys have had a good midlife crisis before? I, I advocate it actually from time to time because it gives you a good view of your death and the brevity of life. That's actually a biblical concept. Lord, teach us to number our days that we gain a heart of wisdom. You know, so there's like, there's like some wisdom. I've had some great ones. No open collar, gold chain. That's a Harley. But more like being 29 years old, seeing all my friend mentors in ministry, being 40 years old and going, I'm so frustrated about hymn books or transparencies can we lift our hands or not in worship and I'm like man there's a vision of dying almost I was like I don't want to be 40 talking about anybody know what transparencies are this is the younger group in here transparency remember you flip those things down and be up on the you know <laughs> that's okay. Emily did she was our flipper but I was like man I don't you know I want to do something that matters. I want to have, yeah, we're always going to be talking about something, but I want to talk about something that matters. You know, let's reach some people for Jesus or something. Do something outside of the box. So we need power to endure. Joyfully giving thanks to the Father. Okay? Now, some of you guys may feel, feel conviction right now. That's okay. If you're going to feel conviction about something, joyfully giving thanks to the Father. That's not a bad one, is it? May the Lord bring conviction on us all. About joyfully giving thanks to the that's a good blessing. You guys are still, I don't know. I don't know if I want conviction. <laughs> joyfully giving thanks. Come on, man, it's a good one. Yeah, do it, Lord. Do it in our lives. Joyfully giving thanks to the Father who's brought us out of darkness and brought us into light and into the kingdom of the Son. He loves what I'm saying here, this is a new way of seeing life. And it's just a new orientation. All of these things are a new orientation. Imagine that you're a blind person, but not totally blind, but you're blind. And somehow you can drive around Fort Worth, but there's a film over your eyes. You're not having wrecks or anything, but, but there's a film over your eyes. And you can't really see people exactly how they really are. And they can't really see you how you really are because, because we can't see. We're in darkness. And then one day Jesus comes and he lifts the film so that we can see. Imagine how different we would see our city with our eyes opened and seeing as Jesus sees. Imagine how different we'd see people. You know, really seeing people and really caring about who people are and what they're going through. And not just me, myopic, self-little bubble, you know, but the eyes opened. That's what's going on here. That's what this whole thing is, a new orientation. And Matt, you know, just... And when we hit the midlife crisis, 
that instead of just, again, doing something really superficial, and again, I'm not against Harleys or gold chains, but I'm just that, like doing something that matters. That's what I mean by having a midlife crisis that matters. You know, where you go, okay, I've got a few years to live. If I don't do this, well, I have missed out on something that God wanted me to do by His grace. That's a good one. That's a good, that's a good midlife crisis. You know, and, and you don't have to call it that because it's got negative. I, I get it. But, but, you know, just having a view of the end of life so that we'll do stuff and not sit there and go, you know, one of these years, one of these decades, one of these, you know, I'm going to do something that matters. Let's go for it. You know? So practically, we are called to identity. Practically, we are called to faith and hope and love. We are, there's, there's something God wants us to do and it's, it gets shaped here together. It gets shaped by the Word of God. I wish I could just you know, get it in me. Get it in you that we would be shaped by this Word. Be transformed by this. Live under, in, and with this Word. Live under, in, and with Jesus. Live in, under, and with the Holy Spirit. Live in, under, and with the Father. Does that make sense? So, there's, it's practical. My identity, my purpose, my fruitfulness, that I, I long for that. I, I, I want life to matter. I want it for the church. I want our lives to matter. Even this morning, I had just a, I was listening to this song on repeat just as we were getting ready this morning. Uh, Being throned upon the praises of a thousand generations, you are worthy, Lord of all. Just over. And over and I, I just I, I listened to it so much I thought they were going to sing it this morning, and I'm standing there in the bathroom and it's just on the phone, you know, it's not like loud and supersonic kind of thing, and I just felt like the Lord said, "Jamie, step into the zone with me." And I literally just started stepping forward. Just she didn't know what I was doing. It might have been strange. <laughs> Why are you just walking partly across the room? But you know, just you guys, we get to be in, involved with something that's that's changing the world. You know, and even these little times when we come together like this and we get to worship, you know, I've, I've often meditated like on people getting married because we started the church. People that didn't know each other, meet each other, get married, have children. Would well, those children have existed? That's just one of my little... <laughs> that's strange. <laughs> but I had a, maybe even a better idea this morning. It was like, we're coming to praise God. We're coming to worship and week after week after week after week, we get to worship God like we just worshiped this morning. And God is getting praise on planet Earth. It's just awesome. We get to do this. It's just, we get to, we get to have this identity. We get to have this purpose. We get to have this new way of life. And He wants to rock our worlds because this world needs Jesus. Let's stand up prayer. Amen. Worship team, come on up. want us just to take a little time to uh, respond to the Lord. I mean, this is a call to Jesus. You know, so if, if you're not walking with Him or you've been away from Him, man, let today be a, just a new start day. Let today be a day of salvation. A day of new life. And, you know, discipleship is is what we're called to. We're called to live our lives with minds that are being transformed, with attitudes that are being changed. And we're called to live into this new identity and this new fruitfulness and this new 
way of life. But, uh, and we've got, some, we've got some time. Let's just take it. We do this at the end of every service. And we just want to respond to God for a little bit here. What is God saying to you? How does He, what is Jesus saying to, to woo you deeper into a relationship with Him? There's just, there's nothing like Him. There's no one like Him. And He exceeds and is exceedingly above and beyond all we can ask, imagine, desire in this life, orient life to Jesus. And it could be, hey, I've got some practical needs. I need healing. I need help with my finances. I need prayer. Whatever your need is. Hey, there's people up here that want to pray with you. The front fills up. Just ask somebody close by to pray. There is power in our prayers. This, I, really, this may be the most important part of what we're doing in the whole day, the prayers that are about to be answered because you're praying. So whatever your need is, you guys, come. He's good. He's a loving Savior. Meet us today, Lord. Meet us. Meet the needs of our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys come. Be bold.